It's time for Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Post Game Live is brought to you by Quick Quack Car Wash. Fast, clean, loved, everywhere. Also by Provo Land Title. Buying, selling, or refinancing? Close with the pros at Provo Land Title. Relax. PLT has you covered. And by First Colony Mortgage, your trusted lender for all your mortgage needs. Visit firstcolonymortgage.com. Now let's join your host, Jason Shepard. The BYU Cougars improved to 6-0 and on the season. They win 52-14, defeating the Bobcats of Texas State. Welcome in to Cougar Post Game Live. Fans, remember when the Cougars win, you win with Papa John's Pizza. Use the online promo code BYU50, that's BYU50, at PapaJohns.com this coming Monday, and you'll receive 50% off pizza. This offer is good at any Utah location, Monday only. Coming up during Cougar Halftime, or excuse me, Cougar Post Game Live, we'll let you hear from the head coach, hopefully, depending on time. Uh, that may happen during uh, my couple of segments here. For Cougar Post Game Live, uh, depending on how quickly Kalani comes out, we'll let you hear his post game Zoom comments. Otherwise, you'll hear him during the Cougar Locker Room show with Greg and Riley and Mitch and the guys. Uh, we'll also get to some scores coming up, but I do want to hit on one thing about the game tonight. Obviously, just sheer domination for the BYU Cougars, just an offensive performance uh, that we just continue to see from this team. Zach Wilson, brilliant once again. Essentially, you know, in half. It was just unbelievable. 19 of 25, 287, four touchdowns. And this offense, total yards, 579 to 267. BYU this season has had quarters where they just absolutely overwhelm the opposition. Last week at Houston, it kind of started out with a, with a fantastic quarter for BYU. It was 14 to 3. And then the quarter in which they overwhelmed Houston was the fourth quarter. Tonight, it was the two middle quarters. Let's just look at the second and third quarters only. So this is that we'll start with the second quarter. In the second quarter alone, and let's just, let me back up for a second. So at the end of the first quarter, BYU led 14-7. to now, As we all know, if you watched it from the very beginning, Texas State scored the first touchdown and looked made it look easy scoring the first touchdown. So BYU actually trailed 7 nothing. End of the first quarter, it's 14-7 for BYU. In the second quarter, BYU outscores the Bobcats 21 to nothing. Total yards in the second quarter alone, 203-13. They only allowed Texas State 13. So 203-13. So that's your second quarter only stats. Then let's move to the third quarter. Once again, BYU, in terms of scoring, puts up a shutout. Do not allow Texas State to score. They outscore them 14 to nothing. The yards in that, 126 to 26. So when you're looking at those two middle quarters, the second and third quarter, that's where BYU completely overwhelmed Texas State. The offense was doing its thing, scoring at will. And the defense really found its footing after that initial drive. Not to mention you have the two interceptions, one of which was a pick six, an unbelievable effort from Isaiah Kafusi to stay in bounds and score a touchdown. But those two middle quarters is where this game was just completely put out of reach for Texas State. BYU just doing everything it possibly can to smother the Bobcats and ultimately it ends in a 52 
to 14 final score. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, let you know some of the games, and there actually are still games going on in uh, college football. No top 25 games. Uh, We'll get to those scores as well, Uh, but we'll get to that coming up on the other side. Maybe hear from Kalani Satake via Zoom. It's all coming up after this. 52-14, your final score. BYU gets the win over Texas State. We'll have more Cougar Post Game Live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Jason Shepard. BYU wins 52-14. The head coach, Kalani Satake, addressing the media via Zoom. Let's listen in. I think uh, Texas State had, you know, they they um, had some new wrinkles in their scheme that we haven't seen all year long, and so, um, you know, we we were able to adjust. That first uh, drive though was uh, went kind of quick, um, and, and wish we could have got that one back. But um, you know, we, we kind of have our defense set up that if we get that type of look, that we're ready for it. But um, we didn't we didn't know it was going to be. Usually it's one or two plays. This one they kind of bent, went on it for most of the night. Did a, did it a lot where they sent the tackles out, did a lot of white splits, different things like that that we haven't seen. So a lot of credit to Texas State for being innovative and creative and finding ways to um, get the ball down the field and, and get a score early. Uh, glad our guys settled down. Our offense was able to keep playing and, and stay on top of it and get some points on the board and give us some time to um, to make some adjustments to the scheme. And love the way our guys respond all night. And, uh, you know, looking forward to fixing some of the things that we can improve on from this week and play better next week against Western Kentucky. So uh, any questions you guys have, be happy to answer it. Okay, we'll start with questions from Jared, Lloyd, uh, Jay Drew, and John Kuhn. Kalani. It was a, a tie game, and you faced a Ford and, uh, fourth and three decision from the 30-yard line within Oldroyd's range, and you elected to go for it. Ended up getting the, I think the, I think it was the 33, and ended up getting that touchdown to Keanu Hill. How big of a play was that? That decision to go for it on fourth down. We know you like to do that, but how nice was it to see it work out like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of faith in our players, and and um, you know, it's early in the game where we feel like there's still a lot of time and. Um, there, there's an opportunity for us to, you know, when you look at it and you try to plan everything, you try to have everything organized. I think you go with your instincts and you go with um, what you're seeing on the field and you kind of go with with your players on the field and trust them. And so trust uh, Coach Grimes and hey Rod and the offensive coaches, and I trust the players that are executing. And I think if we execute well, and uh, we're, we're a really tough team to stop. So um, that's probably why you saw us go for that and why you saw us do a little, you know, be a little aggressive on the fourth downs. Tony, you saw a lot of football in your life. Have you ever seen a throw like the one that Zach made across the field to Dax Milne for the touchdown? I think if I got it right, it was right in front of you. Yeah, I mean, really strong arm, and um, it it, we've seen we've seen him do that over and over and over again. It's it's nothing new how how strong his arm is, and and. uh, I'm just glad that he was able to make that throw. I, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks try to make that throw and end up throwing it short. And um, it's nice. I, I, it was a pinpoint throw. I, I had to look at it on film again, but 
Uh, I was happy with a lot of the things that we did offensively with Zach and some of the decision-making that he made. Uh, there's a few passes that I know he wishes he had back, but uh, he was able to capitalize, make some, make some nice throws. And, um, you know, we were able to get some, some looks at other guys uh, on the field and, and um, give them some valuable reps that I think will, will be, will pay off a lot of, a lot in, in the future. So um, just happy we got the win. I, I, I was, I still keep thinking about things that we want to improve on. That's that's my mindset. Is just thinking about things that we can get better. Then I wanted to ask you about the the punt that Ryan Rico kept. Was that all on his own? <clears throat> yeah, I think he he. Um, you know, when when you're looking at, we haven't shown rugby punt much, and then that was our our, our rugby punt. I mean, we haven't punted a lot, and so when when Rico, who's got a great leg, we were able to. Uh, you know, a few times tonight, punt the ball. We, he, we have that rugby, and if it's there, then he takes it. Uh, I mean, personally, I wish he would just would have kicked it. You know, that's that's just me. But um, what, he did exactly what we coached and why we had that scheme. But I, I talked to Coach Spav afterwards and apologized for wasn't anything disrespectful or with any kind of intent to run up the score or anything. It was just something that he's just used to seeing in practice. I mean, we did that to our scout team uh, a few times. When he sees it, we trust Rico. He's a great athlete. Um, in that situation, though, I, I don't know if it, it was uh, – that's on that's on me. I should have been more wise in telling him to just go ahead and punt it again, punt the ball. But he has a, he has a highlight now that, that Johnny Linehan will be really jealous of. So, um, <laughs> uh, But, you know, he, he shows his athleticism and his speed, and uh, he was really happy. It was just one of those things that that's not – that's not anything that we try to do on purpose, try to um, showboat or try to, you know, get one up. And so I apologize to Texas State for that. But um, we'll just learn. And next time I'll be better as a coach and make sure to teach them to, you know, just punt the ball next time. Kalani, uh, your first two drives went for 86 yards and 90 yards. Having those long scoring drives there in the first quarter, how, how much did that help in terms of allowing your defense time to adjust? Because in the second quarter, you only allowed 13 total yards. Yeah, it was really valuable for us to have that time. We, we needed to make adjustments, um, our scheme. And, and, and you know, Elisa Tuyaki did an amazing job organizing it from from the box and, and uh, Preston Hadley and and – Janelle Guilford and um, Ed Lamb, you know, with them along with our GAs and analysts did a great job at, at uh, trying to establish what we we're going to do. Because it's, it's just something that we weren't expecting, that type of offense, you know. And, and I think that uh, – and I didn't know that they're, they're going to do it so much. We, we kind of thought that we, every week we plan on seeing some things that we make stuff up just in case. And this is one of those moments where it's like not only did they do it, but they did it a lot. And so we had to get things organized. And we needed that time. If, if it would have been a quick three and out, I, I don't know um, if we would have been able to get it um, communicated and drawn up on, on the cards and drawn up on the board to, so our guys can see what we're actually trying to do. And we actually went into it with a different scheme to that that we practiced. If we did ever see it, we do that every week. But um, we had to change, go on, on the fly and change it up. And, and uh, E saw something that he thought would be better, he and Ed, and then they dis- discussed it with, uh, with Preston and and, and uh, Guilford and, and uh, I like I like what they did. I mean that's the the proof is what we did the rest of the time. Now I'm still upset about that 98 yard drive. I just we got to stop downing the ball on the two yard line then because it's been 
we're over two now stopping teams going on that long drive, you know, but there's a lot of things that our guys will learn from in that, in that drive. But I just, and then obviously they, those guys came back and, and, and forced, forced a turnover and played strong. And uh, I'm just really proud that those guys were able to bounce back from after that, giving up that touchdown. <clears throat> hey coach, we'll take a question from Brandon Gurney, Jake Hatch and Mitch Harper. Oh, you don't need one, Brandon? Yeah, go to the next guy. My, my, my question was answered. Hey, we'll go with Jacob, uh, Mitch Harper, and then Hunter Miller. Yeah, Coach, I wanted to ask you, in terms of you said those reps in the second half, you know, those second stringers, third stringers in the game, very important. What can be taught from those reps going off of that type of a performance? Well, you, you look at the way they respond in the game, and it, it, everything works when you practice it, you know, and you're going against a scout team. So, the, the the fact that we saw real speed, they stuck with their their ones during that time, you know, and uh, it's it's just to see if if, if our guys uh, can overcome basically the live reps, the fog of war, that 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 mindset of like being on the field. I think it's easy to say that guys can will do it and perform on the on the field, but it's a different deal when the when the lights are on and you're in front of people and and it's moving a lot faster. So that's that's the it was good that we were able to get those looks. And then, it, it, you know, it was really good that we were able to get the uh, the ones, the leaders on our team to get out there and, and support those guys on the field. And I saw great leadership on our sidelines. I saw, you know, guys um, just really being being out in front and cheering for their boys. And we saw some mistakes, but I love the way the guys responded back and came back and, and were able to get a stop off of that fumble, you know, off of the, the snap and then in the deep in the red zone and then, Gave up a drive, but then came back and forced a turnover, got a pick, and um, you know ended the game. So I, I really pleased with the guys, and it's worth the yards and, and that we gave up uh, to get our guys those reps. Kalani fourteen, Kalani fourteen different receivers uh, had had receptions tonight on night with uh, without Gunnar Romney. Was that kind of by maybe designed to, to divvy up uh, the the pass uh, attempts to receivers without Gunnar in the game? I think that's just how it kind of worked out. I thought, um, you know, looking at Zach and, and even Baylor, the way they spread the ball out, we were able to get some guys in the game. And uh, obviously we, we've, we've got some good looks at some younger guys. Um, but, uh, you know, we just kept our offense rolling a little bit. And I'm just happy that those guys got the – a lot of them got their first time, first really live reps and with the ball in their hands. So it was, it was good stuff. Good stuff. It was good to see Sionifi now back on the field again and, and keep getting Miles Davis some opportunities to run the ball and get some of those young old linemen on the field too. So there's really good, valuable stuff for us and, and get Baylor some opportunities to throw the ball, even though there was a, did he throw a pick on the, on any of Yeah. So obviously some things to work on, but uh, we'll just, it was just good. It's just good where you're just not, you know, you're, you're able to throw the ball a little bit and just play regular football with those guys against a, a fast look stuff that you can't get in practice. Mentioned Sione, also Hank Tuipolotu uh, made his debut. Uh, can those yeah, right. moving forward factor into what you guys do offensively? Yeah, and, and you know, um, it's just good to see Hank. He, he he battled back from some, you know, the injuries. And and same with Sione, and those guys are able to get on the field. And Keanu Saliapanga, good to get Tristan back on the field too. And uh, just nice to have our guys and, and be a little bit stronger with our, with our numbers. So, um yeah, we just get those guys rolling and get some competition going and, and make sure that our, our teams are rolling deep and that we can we know we have guys that we can count on with a lot of experience. 
Coach, I'm curious what kind of the thought process is behind pulling the starters and bringing in the backups. Is that something that, you know, you guys go into a game thinking if you reach a certain point threshold uh, that you'll pull the starters? Or how do you go about making that decision of when to pull the starters and bring in some of the younger guys? I mean, it's kind of a balance between what's best. You know, if you're looking at the first part of the season, we really didn't have our, our starters play an entire game. And so, you know, I think UTSA, they played the entire game. And then, and then honestly, the Houston game they did. So that, that was kind of brand new for us. And, and uh, so we had those two games to, to let those guys play the entire game. And then now it's just, I, I really feel like it's really valuable for us. And when you're dealing with, with, the, uh, with COVID and you never know who, if a guy's going to be pulled out of the lineup or not, I really believe that the, for us right now this year, yeah, let's get those guys as valuable rest as possible. And I, I, all I care about is when we, we're winning the game, we feel like we have it under control is, is uh, giving them those valuable reps as much as possible. And if it costs us some yards and even some points, it's, I think it's really worth it. It's, it's, the investment is, is worth it for our guys. And we were able to do that in the past. We've been able to do that in the past and get more guys reps and it's paying off. And, and when guys, they're not getting in the, on the field when it's like, they know the game's under control, but now they're getting valuable rest and, and getting that experience. It means a lot. I mean, that's that 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 stuff is. You, you, I said it before. You can't simulate it, so we're gonna take advantage of it as much as possible. I really don't care about all how all the stats line up. I don't care about where we line up with, you know, awards and all the accolades and all that stuff. The win is all that matters, and keeping our team as deep as possible. Hey, we'll take two quick questions from Sean Walker and Jared Lloyd, and that'll be it. Yeah, Coach, you probably had to figure that somebody was going to ask this question, but what did you think of the crowd and finally having the fans back and the, the band, the cheerleaders, all that kind of pomp and circumstance? It was awesome. It was so good to see our fans. I mean, it was good to see our fans last week in, in Houston, at Houston, but um, good to see our fans here. They made a lot of noise, um, the the number that we I mean, I'm pretty sure we had. We used all 6,000 tickets, you know, so – uh, lot, all that 6,000 that came, they made a lot of noise. I'm really happy that they were be able to enjoy the game. And, and this, you know, it's first that we've had a lot of games without fans. So that was a lot of fun. And just really thankful that they were able to be here in, in so late and stayed after and cheered our guys on even when the game was uh, easily um, in control. So thank you to all the fans and looking forward to seeing all our fans who get here and, and fill this place up as soon as we get things right. So appreciate all the fans. It means a lot to us. Kalani, you hadn't been able to force a lot of turnovers this year, but Isaiah gets his hands on the ball and then takes it to the house. And that's that's got to be fun to see a guy like uh, Isaiah be able to to have that type of a moment. He willed that to happen. He's, he's been waiting for that for a long time. And I knew once he caught the ball, it was going to be gone. And uh, you talk about a, a great student of the game. Um He's so smart. I wish I could take his brain and, and, and put it in all of our players. This football IQ is amazing. His instincts are amazing. And the things that he does as a player, I've been so impressed with. And, and such an honor for me to coach him. Uh, I mean, we have a great relationship. I, our coaches and our players have great relationships with each other. And, and uh, be able to collaborate with him and talk with him. He's got a great mind. And just love that his will was able to get he, – he, he kind of knew it was going to happen. He kind of been talking about it all week. And so uh, when that happened, it was watch out. I, you know, you got you got to see some of this athleticism that he had back in the day in Brighton when he used to run the ball a little bit. You know, so uh, 
we try to create more. I mean, obviously, I don't think we, we had not a lot of opportunities to get sacks. Um, McBride ran around all over the place, and he's got tons of speed. But, um, you know, he scrambled around. And, and then other than that, they were getting rid of the ball really quick. And when they did their Daffy Duck stuff, it just caught us uh, in a bad spot where we really couldn't get a lot of pressure on him. We had to be mindful of the RPOs and the, and the quick throws downfield. So uh, it's unique. We just keep playing, and hopefully we'll, we'll capitalize on op- other opportunities to to get turnovers and to get more disruption and more sacks. But uh, really pleased with the amount of disruption that we had this this game and turnovers and big stops and things like that. So we'll just keep improving, and hopefully Isaiah – can spread the love with his pick sixes and turn. And I'm sure he'll do as many as he can, but I'm sure he, he'd love to share the, the mojo with the rest of the group. Okay, thanks, Coach. Okay, that was head coach Kalani Satake after BYU's win over Texas State 52-14. Back to wrap up Cougar Post Game Live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard for more Cougar Post Game Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU gets the win, 52-14. They improved to 6-0. Two quick scores before we wrap things up. Earlier tonight, Boise State defeating Utah State 42-13. Cougars will be in Boise in two weeks. Also, San Diego State, who BYU will host on the 12th of December. Uh, this game has just gone final. It was in San Diego hosting UNLV. Aztecs get the win, 34 Two, six. All right, that's it. Your final 52-14 BYU with the victory. It's going to do it for Cougar Post Game Live. The Cougar Locker Room Show next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back to postgame coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Our coverage continues with the Cougar Locker Room Show, brought to you by Utah Community Credit Union. Get more house, same payment at UCCU. It's what we do. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, along with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. His fifth career INT was a pick six tonight, and he is in the conclusion, concluding stage of his Zoom comments with reporters. Isaiah Kafusi now in the postgame press conference. We're... We were always talking. I was always shooting questions. We were always watching film together. Like, I just wanted to just become better, just better myself in all aspects of the game. And um, <clears throat> quarantine was a huge blessing for me. Got my body um, feeling really good. You know, was able to just really recover um, and, and get my body in, in kind of a right, the right place and the right, um, you know, just feeling good. And so um, that's kind of, yeah, just the process was – putting in work every single day. Um, no one was watching and, and here, you know, the fruits of my labor are kind of coming through. So one last thing, another one of your teammates got a, a pick, uh, Jared Capisi, a kid who's played corner. He's played kicker. He's been a punter. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's like second string back and up Zane Anderson picks off a pass. How cool is it to see? Oh, that's awesome. He's that. also, he's also my barber. So I, I had to give him some extra love. Um, might have to tip him a little bit more to this next haircut, but man, just super excited that that kid. I mean, you know, walk on um, has been there, works super hard. Um, just, just really proud of him. That's awesome. That was so cool. I was I was jumping around. I I, cut, I probably I think I ran on the field. I thought he was down. I started running on the field. I think before they even blew the whistle. But uh, and, and you see the reaction too of all of our teammates. 
um, you know, just surrounding him just because we know kind of his story, what he's been through and uh, just kind of the brother he is to us. Okay, we'll take two more questions. Just a reminder, one question per mm-hmm. reporter, uh, Jake Hatch, and then we'll finish with Hunter Miller. Yeah, Zay, I wanted to ask you guys, that first drive, they go down the field, they're using like that formation where they've got the tackles out wide. How yeah. different was that? Was the first time you'd ever seen something like that? And how did you guys adapt to it? Yeah, I mean, Kalani had alluded to it too, that we practice stuff like that. Um, and and we, we just, you know, we're, we're prepared for it and we try and, you know, um, just kind of have our own defense and, and just being able to adjust to that formation. But, uh, you know, they really took advantage. They came out and um, <clears throat> did a great job, I think, of just kind of, just kind of making us unsettled a little bit. Um, just, just didn't really know what was going on. And you can tell that they, you know, I practiced that and they were really prepared and uh, we were maybe a little underprepared, but just credit to our coaches again, you know, they, they did a great job at adjusting and really, I don't think they could, could have done anything. You know, I, I think they would have been better off just playing normal offense. They've got great players. Um, I don't think they really needed to, to kind of do that. And, you know, they got a score out of it, but I, I feel like they could have just done a little bit better without it. Isaiah, I'm curious. You guys as a defense have yet to give up a single point after a turnover uh, through six games tonight. A fumble sets up Texas State deep in your territory, and you hold them, uh, force them to turn it over on downs, and then the interception, you guys force them to punt. What has been the reason for that and how you guys have been able to buckle down following uh, turnovers by the offense? Yeah, that's a great question and, and great, brings up a great point. I mean, we, as a team, I think this is kind of one of the biggest indicators um, of how great our team is, right? Like we, we, we've told the offense from day one that we're going to be, we're going to back them up. Like there've been years past when, when things are kind of going bad, um, defense kind of, we're hanging our heads like, oh crap, like another pick. But, uh, you know, we've told them be aggressive, do your thing. We'll back you up no matter what. And so, you know, you, if you go back and watch that film and, and watch the defense take the field after that fumble, I mean, you, you just, that's the mentality that we have. You, you'll see the mentality that we have. And um, offense does the same thing. I mean, you know, we give up those, you know, we have, we've had, I think the last two games, those two long drives, right, where we're out on the field, uh, 16 plays or 18 plays, and they're driving, you know, 90 plus yards. Um, the offensive guys are the first guys to be like, don't worry, like, we got you guys. And um, just just a big indicator, to, at least to me, to kind of how our team is and, and the mentality of our team and the closeness of our team. Okay, thanks, Isaiah. We're good. We will take a break and hear from Brady Christensen next as postgame coverage continues. BYU is a winner tonight, 52-14 over Texas State on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. He leads BYU in games started on the O-line, 32nd start tonight. Every game of his BYU career, he has left tackle Brady Christensen. He's talking to the press via Zoom right now. Yeah, Brady, uh, Tristan Hodge came back, uh, returned from having COVID and then pneumonia, got to play tonight. Uh, what did you see from him, and what was it like having him back out there? Yeah, it's awesome to have a guy like him out with all his experience and just his tough attitude. And um, I mean, we're we're deep uh, at the O line position right now when we're all healthy, and it's just fun to be able to 
no matter who you're playing next to, you know, it's going to be just a quality performance. And so that's kind of what it was tonight for everyone who was playing it. And it was awesome. Hey, we'll take a question from Jake Hatch. Yeah, Brady, I wanted to ask you, we saw a lot of different combinations out there, different guys moving in at guard and tackle and even at center. What went into that? Was that a planned thing that you guys had going into the game? No, um, I think we're always ready. We're always competing. There's, like I said, we're deep uh, at the O-line spot, and there's a lot of us that can play. So we're always ready, no matter who it is. And uh, and like I said before, playing next, it doesn't matter who we're playing next to. We got five guys up front, and it's it's the same goal. And so that's kind of our uh, mentality. It's a game mentality. It's uh, wh- whoever's up, let's let's go dominate. And that's what it was tonight. Okay, Jared, we'll have one final question from you for Brady. Just wanted to ask what it's like as a as an offensive player to see a defensive touchdown like Isaiah was able to get because you guys are watching it and, and to see the defense get one and take it to the house. What's that like? Yeah, I remember uh, we were just like his run was amazing. Like he made a bunch of guys miss and then he came off the sidelines and I just went and gave him the huge, you know, chest bump because it's just so exciting to see the D make plays. Uh, that's what I love about this team. I mean, past years, it almost seemed like it was kind of offense and defense, but this year it's, uh, it's, it's just our team and we got each other's back no matter what. And we're excited for each other. And it's always just a back and forth mentality of, Hey, you got this, we got you, you know? And so that's, it, it was awesome to see. Ben, do you have a quick question? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brady, did you tell Zach not to run into you while you're trying to block for him? <laughs> that was a that was a rough play. It kind of there was kind of a breakdown. They brought a good uh, blitz for our specific play call. It's supposed to be a, a little screen play, and so it's kind of a weird, awkward situation. We hit pretty hard. I hit him pretty hard, and I was like, "My bad, bro." You know, <laughs> like sorry about that. So. so Sometimes that this stuff like that happens, you know, you just got to, you know, whatever, just laugh about it and move on. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Brady. All right. That is Brady Christensen. Yeah, thanks, Isaac Reck next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Two touchdown catches for Isaac Rex tonight, part of BYU's 52-14 win over Texas State, and Isaac is talking to the press via Zoom right now. Let's zoom in. Because literally Zach could throw it anywhere on the field like he saw that pass to Dax, and he'll find you. So I just tried to get open, and he uh, dropped it in there. So it was fun. Okay, we'll take a question from Ben Criddle. Is it a goal of yours, uh, Isaac, to uh, surpass your your dad's output as a tight end at BYU? He's already, he, you got three touchdowns already. He only has seven, so uh, you got some time to catch up. Um, yeah, I just so I could rub it in his face for the rest of my life. That's basically the only reason. Um, but yeah, my dad he loves me, and so he wants me to be better than him. So I appreciate that about him. Okay, we'll take a question from Hunter Miller. Isaac, I noticed, uh, at least on that second touchdown, you stuck to high-fiving some teammates. Did you give any thought to maybe busting out some moves uh, after scoring today? <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the criticism I got last time I, I busted a move was 
not uh, very positive. So I, I was thinking about what I could do. And then I just realized, you know, I, I just got to act like you've been there. Uh, it's not my first time anymore. So I got to be more chill and just catch a touchdown and hand it back to the ref, get on field goal. So, but uh, maybe I have some more tricks on my sleeve, one of these games, but um, I didn't, I didn't bust it out tonight. So. And we'll take but, a question from Jay Drew. You're on mute, Jay. Isaac, what do you think of Zach's performance tonight? And does he ever cease to amaze you with some of those throws he makes? Um, man, Zach is just killing it tonight. Or this whole season, he's been killing it. So, uh, Zach, literally, when that throw to Dax, when he was rolling out to the right and just chucked it to, <laughs> all the way to the other sideline, I was amazed, man. That was that, I've never seen that before, but Zach will find you. Zach is, he's obviously a first round talent as a NFL quarterback, I believe. So Zach is, he's a stud and he's just going to keep getting better as time goes on. And he's, uh, he's finding all of us. Uh, a lot of receivers are catching the ball. Like Keanu had a great touchdown, his first touchdown. And so he's, he's not just looking at one receiver. We're all uh, contributing and we're all making plays, which is awesome. Okay, we'll take one more question. That'll come from Ben Criddle. Uh, Isaac, um, it was hard to tell on the replay, but it looked like you caught that uh, that scramble drill uh, a ball in between your legs. Is that the first time you've caught a, a football like that, a <laughs> touchdown in between your legs? It, you didn't catch it with your hands, did you? No, it like slipped through my hands and then went straight to my like thighs and I kind of like gripped it and then rolled over. I honestly, I thought there was going to be an angle where it hit the ground, but I was, when I looked back at it, I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy that um, I caught it. So uh, I was, I was kind of shocked, but it was a, it was a different catch, but you just gotta, you gotta find a way sometimes when, when the ball's coming to you. So even if you use your legs or your chest or whatever, so you got to do it. Okay. Thank you. All right, we'll have Tyler Algier on the headset next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Locker Room Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Welcome back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where tonight, in front of, we're going to say, 6,000 fans, uh, BYU defeated Texas State by a score of 52-14. to 14. BYU going to 6-0 on the season. We are joined on the headset now from the Cougar locker room area by running back Tyler Algier. Tyler, good to be with you again. Thanks for coming on. No, thanks for having me. 12 carries, 76 yards, and a score for you on the ground. And uh, through the air, you, were, you caught a pass for 7 yards. You were one of 14 people to catch a pass tonight Tyler and that we think is an unofficial BYU record you guys were spreading it around tonight heck yeah this team is so versatile in the options they have to go to and again no one had to have a huge game for everybody to have a good game and the team to have a great game what is it about this team right now that just you can look everywhere for productivity you know we just all we just all uh, focus on each other we all trust each other and that's what's really uh, like offense defense and special teams we all trust each other we're all bought in and i believe that's what makes the success 
Tyler, I think the greatest teams, um, it's not necessarily, and this goes back to the UCLA John Wooden days, but they're not necessarily, they're competing against their former selves, right? Trying to do whatever they can do to take a step forward in every game, regardless of the opponent and the challenge that they bring. Could you share with us maybe uh, maybe an offensive goal or a personal goal of yours that you had coming into this game that you felt like you accomplished and, and got better tonight? Um, really just a one foot and then just get vertical, try not to dance in the like once the second level comes, but you know we just try to get our yards and whatever we can, just stay, just trying to stay vertical. That was for me, and then uh, just for an offense in general, we just wanted to be more physical, and I believe we did that tonight. There was a player out there, one of your teammates, who got his first carry in 11 months, and that's Sione Finau. What can you say about the work Sione's put forth to get back to where he got tonight, and then seeing him get some reps tonight? Man, I'm proud of that dude. Sione's my boy, and. Uh, he just worked really hard this off season to really get his knee ready, and just seeing him out there just kind of put a tear in my eye. How good does it feel to be able to switch things up right now between yourselves, Pini and Sione? Let's not forget uh, Miles Davis. Other guys can carry the ball. You're deep right now. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's a lot. It's a lot of trust. Like it's just we all practice and uh, just everyone's ready when the time comes, and it's it's a good feeling. Uh, you had a couple nice catches out of the backfield. Is that a part of your game that you've? Uh, been working on or are you just getting more opportunities Uh, you feel like you've improved on it or are you just getting more opportunities through the natural flow of the offense I believe it's both both ways I really wanted to be a uh, all-around back and that's that's really what I worked on in the offseason I believe Uh, just trusting or getting uh, trust with the quarterbacks and uh, just doing that really shows on the field all right six and oh through six games Uh, do you you feel you guys took you're taking steps forward each week. How do you assess the progress of your team right now? You know, right now we're just thinking we're 0-0 right now. You know, today today was a good dub, but now we're 0-0 and on to the next. BYU plays Western Kentucky next Saturday night. And uh, similar to the team tonight, we're talking about Western Kentucky that's, uh, uh, you know, they don't come in with the best record, but you, you can't be looking past anybody at this point. I felt like you gave these guys the respect they were due today. What do you think? Oh, no, for sure. Like, um, you know, UTSA came with the bang, and we just got to expect the same thing. You know, you can't really put put a team low. You just got to have the same respect for them and then just do our part and just ball out. How businesslike do things feel right now? I know you want to have fun, and you guys want to party when it's time to party, but how how quickly do you guys get back to business? Yeah, shoot, Sunday? Actually, no, Monday. I'll say Monday. Watch the film. Watch the film Sunday, maybe. But, you know, go to church and all that. And then Monday, we just get back to business. How's your body holding up? Shoot, it's sore. <laughs> it's sore, but, you know, just go to treatment, trust the trainers, and then we'll see. We'll get back Monday. Uh, what can you say about the way the quarterback's playing right now, number one? He's doing good, man. He's just, just we expected this from him. You know, we got a lot of receivers that make him look good. We make him look good, and he just makes himself look good. The O line makes him look good. Like, you know, we all trust him, and uh, he's really doing his part. You had fans in the stands tonight. How'd that feel? It was nice. You know, honestly, it was, it was a good feeling. It was a good feeling, man. It's always nice to have fans in Lavelle, but, you know, yeah. Well, you'll get some more next week. We don't know how many, but at least this many, we hope. And, and, and here's to 7-0. and Tyler, good to speak with you, as always. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. All right, that is Tyler Algier. We'll come back with the coach. Kalani Sitake is next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Postgame coverage of BYU football continues with the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show. Brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Let's rejoin the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
right, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, by the way, is approaching 6,000 yards, 6,000 passing yards, career passing yards. He went over tonight 500 career rushing yards. It's got me wondering, how many guys are members of the 5,500 club? 5,000 passing yards, 500 rushing yards. And uh, let's see, um, Zach Wilson, we know, is a member of that club. Uh, Virgil Carter, we know, is a member of that club. Uh, Taysom Hill is a member of that club. He's probably the 5,000-5,000 club. Uh, <laughs> Riley Nelson, is he a member of the 5,000? No, you, you, uh, 4,032. 4, so not you didn't have the passing yards. Doman um, didn't have the passing okay, yards. Steve Young had the passing yards. There you go. Uh, Zach Wilson, Steve Young, Virgil Carter, Taysom Hill. Those are the four guys who are of the 5,500 club. Pass yards, rush yards. And Zach will soon be at six. I know that Kalani Sitake has popped on the headset. We hope he can hear us. Kalani, can you hear us? What's up, guys? Hey, there he is, Kalani Sitake, head coach of the BYU Cougars. His team defeats Texas State tonight by a score of 52 to 14, going to 6-0. and BYU 6-0 and for the first time in uh, in 12 years. Uh, Kalani, uh, just an initial uh, summary impression of uh, what your guys turned out there tonight. Uh, just you know, happy we played the played a good game. I mean, I was really pleased with the, uh, a lot of things that I saw today uh, tonight, and um, there's just some things that we can obviously fix. You guys heard me in the post game, um, but I, I feel like uh, you know we're we're uh, all the stuff that we practice, everything that we've been doing fundamentally has been working really well for us, and so let's just keep this thing rolling and uh, let's fix some of the issues that we saw. And, I think they caught us off guard right away with the um, style of offense. It's, we had an idea. We we planned for everything. And so we normally on Thursdays we go through every look that we possibly can get, swinging gate, Daffy Duck, all those different looks. And um, just never faced a team that was going to do it as much as what we saw tonight. You know, So glad our offense was able to hold on to the ball and, and march down and give us time to make adjustments. Love what Coach Tuyaki did. He he had a feeling to do a, a different type of adjustment, even though we had one in place um, on that first drive. And he decided that this uh, would probably be a better um, a better route to go a different way. He and Ed and and Preston and Janelle did a good job of collaborating, talking about the best um, possible change, and glad they were able to execute that and and, and get get it communicated to our players. And they uh, did a great job of executing the game plan after that. Coach, a marked difference for me was the tackling. Um, two things. One, just doing a better job of the fundamentals in one-on-one. But two, I felt like the rallying and the pursuit was a step up from uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, it also could have been that maybe, you know, whenever you got faster, quicker guys, which maybe Houston would have. But I, I honestly think the team effort was uh, was a lot better and there was kind of a return to fundamentals. Is that something that's been emphasized or more something that's continually emphasized for your defensive players yeah that's that's the the foundation of everything that we do is uh, play fundamental football and that means blocking tackling body position all that stuff it matters the most you know and uh, defensively it's it's angles pursuit and then understanding the shape of the defense where your help is at whether to leverage or spill the ball a lot of different things that go into it and and a lot of uh um, probably more detail than than our listeners probably want to hear right now but all that stuff matters, and you practice it, and you practice it, and um, being able to do it in, in a live game is uh, another thing compared to doing it in practice. And uh, the only way you can get better in a game is to actually do it, and then have them get more reps at it. 
we love our guys that are veterans that are experienced like Isaiah Kofusi can do it all day he he has a good understanding of played a lot of football you know but it's important that um Drew Jensen and Jackson Kofusi and those others um you know and, and Josh Wilson gets that opportunity to do that too and and uh, you have to learn along along the way sometimes they it's it's a tough lesson to learn and you give up points and yards and then uh, you give them a chance to respond and they were able to do that I, I was really pleased with the way the the team overall um we gave up some plays with the twos and threes and then they came back and 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 forced turnovers and we're able to establish a little bit more physicality on the line of scrimmage and 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 tackle well so yeah that, that was a huge emphasis but we got to always improve on the fundamentals as we go out throughout the season you guys scored offensive touchdowns on five of your first six offensive possessions. The only uh, exception was the fumble at your own ten, but zero points are the result. And and then you end up with a pick six of your own scoring on defense. Great response by your guys put up in a tough spot, and they really have relished that position, it seems, this year. When, when, when the offense has a moment where the defense is put in a bad spot, great response. Yeah, and I, I was really happy with. Uh, they've been doing that all year long, and that's the leadership that we have on our team, um, with our with our seniors and our and our, our upperclassmen, but also um, the preparation that our coaches have put in time to get them ready, and that's on on all three phases. Really impressed with the time that the coaches put in and the way that they teach it. Um, and so, you know, happy with the with the victory. Uh, I thought I thought we did some really really good things, and I thought we improved from last week to this week. And uh, let's keep let's keep that uh, that trend going. Let's let's find ways to get better for next week against Western Kentucky and fix some of the issues that we had here. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Riley, because the, the fundamentals are the key of it. I think a lot of people rely on scheme and um, and strategy when when the most important thing is the is the foundation of what you do, and that that's the fundamentals of the game, and that's the culture of this team and and, and our family here. Coach, how and by the way, these guys seem mature and self motivated and self challenged. But you know, I you got to look. They're going to turn on the film and they're going to see Western Kentucky. It's a program that's struggling. It's a team that they're more talented than. And are, are these guys going to be able to find enough self challenges to come out here and and accomplish those, or or do you pose a challenge for the whole team, maybe as something in the week to make sure that they just stay locked in, laser focused, like they've done through the first six games. Yeah, I think I think the key is just everyone being focused and coaches and players. It's it's not, um, it's not uh, like a challenge from yeah, you. It's just a, a part of is, who you are. Yeah, and this is what we talk about um, on Mondays. We have team meeting, and I want our guys. I mean, they're already going to be watching the film and getting better and improving and trying to find ways to scout Western Kentucky. That happens. You know, you did that when you played. You know, you're a great student of the game. I think for our guys, it's more about like staying focused and understanding that this this game is all that matters now. Western Kentucky is all that matters. There's nothing else. Staying safe and trying to find a way to to make sure that you're on the field when when the when the ball's kicked off, you know. And uh, I think it's worked so far. We granted we we haven't played our best against UTSA and everything, but I think they had a lot to say about that. That they're a good competitive they, team. By you the know? way, they beat La Tech today. Yeah, that was gonna. It was a close game, right? I yep. believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I mean. And you saw what Houston and, and Navy did. I mean, they're, they're, those those guys are start they start playing and and they start getting their identity. And for us, I feel like our identity is based on just sticking with the day to day and getting better every day, getting better every rep, finding ways to get better. And 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 it starts from from the leader, starts from the coaches, 
and our attitude towards everything. So we haven't done anything that, that uh, we should be, I mean, we should be happy that we won the game, but there's a lot more for us to prove. There's a lot more for us to prove. And we left a lot of plays out there still. I keep saying, I was like, I don't know if I'll ever be happy with, with our performance if we unless we play the perfect game, all three phases. And that's the goal. I hope we can get there. You know, I'd like, to, like it to be next week. But I think that drive to get better and, and, and keep our guys humble is going to be the key. But they, they do that on their own as well. My, my job is to stay focused as a head coach, and hopefully they, they, we all buy in and, and, and do, it, do it ourselves. And they can do, you can do it by example or you can do it by preaching it. But our guys are pretty, pretty mature, so I, I feel like they're, they're going to be ready to roll. And I just came through the locker room on my way here to get the, the headphones on, and I'm already hearing players talk about what they want to do differently and better next week, and that's a... I mean, they should be happy about watching their highlights, but they're just talking about things that they could do differently and better. And, you know, guys talk about they can snap the ball better, whether they're long snapper or the center. So these guys want to get better and they want to improve. Yeah, Coach, just a quick comment before I kick it back over to Greg for another question is that you mentioned that, you know, you might never be happy, but it's there's a difference between never being happy and it being a negative and it, and it slowly over time drags the team down. But uh, credit to your leadership, but also, you know, and you will always say this, you've recruited the right kids, you've recruited the kids with the right mentality, but it shows that your players are a lot like you in that it's so apparent that these guys are just, they're starving to get better. Better. Yeah, they they know the when they do things well, and they take the they take the compliments with grace. But they are all in search of perfection as as football players and as units. And so it's something as a former player uh, for me to watch. This just makes me really proud of the, where the program's at right now. Well, I appreciate that, and that's that, that's nothing that's new from that I'm doing. You guys are all. I mean, the difference between you and and Mitch Jurgens and all the, you guys are all the same. Uh, we were, I, I think that I was like you guys when I played here, you know, so long ago when there was not, not HDTV. But um, we, were, we were very similar, meaning that, that our, our general makeup, um, uh, how we were brought up and who we are, uh, is, is it's, it's really indicative of what, what happens in the gospel and the way everyone's raised. So uh, my job is just to keep reminding them of leaning on the things that, that got them here, the sacrifices of their loved ones that got them here. And if we can keep doing that, I think we can have a lot of success. One quick thing before the break, uh, Kalani, 11 different ball carriers tonight and 14 different receivers. And we think the 14 is an unofficial BYU record. You were able to really play a lot of guys and get productivity from a lot of guys. Yeah, and just, uh, I mean, we, we talk about our depth and we're able to use it, but just really happy that we are able to see some guys return and and, and come back from injuries or, 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 or illness, you know, and um, and, and we're a lot stronger. We already lost some guys for the season due to uh, injury, and so it's always nice to welcome guys back to the to the the playing field and to the depth chart. And just happy, just just happy that we're 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 doing things the right way. And um, you know, we're going to try to find ways to get better and, and and be creative and try to entertain as much as we can. But you know, I, I think for me as a head coach, I always look at the <clears throat> like the, the you know, there's things that we can all learn from. For me. We teach Ryan Rico how to take this rugby punt and what he's looking for, and we didn't explain to him that the, you know, the, the timing of it all. We probably don't want to do a fake punt uh, in that situation that time. He and was just getting back at him for the roughing, coach. Yeah, that's, that's all it was. Yeah, and, and, but it's you a know, a little bit of payback. I think I think that's something that that that, that kind of passed us by as coaches. And we're like, oh my gosh, I can't. He did what we taught him to, but 
understanding the situation. It's just he's still a freshman, so there's things for us to teach, teach and get better. And as a head coach, I got to look into more of the details and, and train our guys for everything. And that's that's where I, I missed the I missed it on that. And so I'll, I'll do a better job next time. We'll take a break with the coach and return for his closing comments. BYU to six and zero. Texas State falling to one and six tonight. Cougars win it, fifty-two to fourteen. The Bobcats open seven nothing. It was forty-nine straight for BYU. Bobcats score again. Cougars score the final points on a field goal that makes it fifty-two, fourteen. BYU tops fifty for the second time in six games. We'll have more from the coach next here on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Cougar Postgame Coaches Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Cougars deadly efficient in this game. Their first four drives were touchdowns. Their fifth drive was actually a turnover, but on the 10-yard line, Texas State could not get the ball in the end zone. No points there, and so it's interesting, Kalani, that uh, you've turned the ball over five times this year. Opponents still have zero points after your turnovers. Well, that's good. I mean, that that uh, not good that we turned the ball over, but um, you know, I, I think uh, lo- I just love the way our players take the field, and, um, and and the sudden change and being able to get out of it somehow, you know, and uh, just that 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 just goes to show their mentality, their maturity, their leadership, and and they're taking after their their coaches. You know, listening to, to Coach Tuyaki, that's something that we talked about. It's it's a fire drill. You know, there's no time to. To complain, you just got to get out there and jump on the field and show some excitement and passion and get ready, get some energy going so we can get a stop. You got Tristan Hodge back after missing four games. You got Sione Finau back after missing like 11 months. So it had been a long time for him and good to see him get some uh, get some run. Yeah, and he's a little bit rusty. You know, there are times that I think he knew when, when you're supposed to go get a first down and, and know the chains and, and not dance around, but that, that comes with some time. And I think you'll, you start to, you saw some spurts of, of the old Sione back from last year and I think the more confidence he has on uh, on on his uh, on his legs, the better he'll be. And he's a he's got a lot of he's got he's a dynamic back. He can turn a, a short gain into a big big touchdown soon. And so with his legs and he's got a lot of speed, so hopefully he can get that going. We can see some more of him next week. I hope it never happens that we start taking Zach Wilson's performances and numbers for granted because what he's doing is pretty exceptional. Yeah, and and, and the decision making too. It's like you know when you start people start talking about completion percentage and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I've seen it before where quarterbacks like they start thinking about their their own ranking, their rating, their own completion percentage, and and uh, he threw away some balls that that were wise decisions, and uh, just just really really happy with the decision making, happy with his leadership, and he's doing an amazing job. So we got to keep that rolling. Jake got his first field goal in a few games. Uh, do we, probably not, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Does it ever come like a situation's coming up in a game, especially late in the game, where maybe it's in hand, and you're like, "Hey, let's uh, if we get a field goal attempt here, it's maybe not the worst thing, just to make sure that that guy's still getting live reps in games." Or it, it, are you happy if you know he doesn't get another attempt because you're just cashing in seven points right and left? No, I mean, I think it's good that we know he can kick field goals, and, and he's a strong, got a strong leg. I mean, he's kicking, uh, you know, 70-yard field goals and 60-yard field goals in pregame. So he's got a strong leg. He can do it. Um, I, I think for us it's just, uh, in, 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 you're right, we, it's been a I don't remember last time he kicked a field goal. So I think for us it's just whenever we get that chance for him to kick one in, let's go. But early in the game I like going for it on fourth down. I like I like the 
you know, moving the chains and getting generate some some momentum right away. And uh, we we have a system where I think is is really really good in place. And, and meaning our our the way our guy the way our guys execute uh, when Zach has the ball in his hands, he makes great decisions, makes the great audibles and great checks. I trust him on fourth down. I trust you know our coaches and to get him in the right spot. And and so we're gonna keep doing that. And you know there may be times that that. that our instincts, we feel like it's probably better to kick a field goal, but right now we'll, we'll see how it goes. But anytime we can get him to kick a field goal, he's been pretty good. The field goal talk is a good segue to our Mountain America field goal recap now. For each field goal BYU makes this year, Mountain America donates $250 to the American Red Cross. And today the Cougars made one field goal after going back-to-back games without a field goal try. So the running total now is six field goals. And when you throw in the bonus that Mountain America gave us for Jake's 50-yarder, 54-yarder earlier in the year, now a donation total of $1,750 to the American Red Cross, courtesy of Mountain America Credit Union. Uh, Isaiah Kofusi uh, got a pick six that reminded me a little bit of the Fred Warner pick six at Boise State uh, a few years back in your first year, I think. Why wouldn't that be right, Kalani, 2016? Yeah, yeah. And, and, same and, sideline. Uh, same sideline, yeah. Um, you know, I, I love the way Isaiah just p- prepares for the game. And uh, he he was calling it. I think he understood even in early in the game. He's like, I'm gonna pick it. I, I know I got one coming. And um, he's been talking about it so much that you saw the sideline erupt because he's been ta- everybody. He's just kind of maybe it's the law of, law of attraction. He just puts it out there in the universe, and then everybody expects it to happen. And when he caught the ball, his teammates went crazy to block for him and do whatever they can to escort him into the end zone. And and he had he showed his running skills. So I'm really happy. He was so fired up to get that and. Uh, this defense is hungry for more turnovers and more more touchdowns. So if we can get that going, Isaac Rex with Isaac Rex, excuse me, with two touchdown uh, catches today. He uh, continues to impress me with his ability to go up and catch the ball, make contested catches, and secure the catch uh, through the through the. Um, through the entire process and you know maybe there obviously the offense is working great and it doesn't need any new additions but both him and wheat give me remind me shades and these are two guys you coached against uh, but dennis pitta and andrew george is there but they're both young pups right at redshirt freshmen they're with each time that they continue to have games like this is there more and more thought of maybe they don't play a ton in the flex is that in the offensive scheme at all or are they kind of happy and I mean, they're plenty productive where they're at, but I get a little excited thinking they could be what Andrew or what Andrew George and Dennis Pitta were. I, I love that comparison because those guys gave me so many headaches. It's a matchup them. nightmare, yeah. right? Yeah, and you then, can send two tights in a double, and you can come out in four wides, and it totally messes up the defensive personnel. You're absolutely right, and 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 the, those those tight ends that have the athleticism to split out. I mean, Gronk does it in, in the NFL, so the, all the great ones do it. Kelsey and all those guys do that. So I just love that these guys are willing to do it. We we have a scheme, and we have the opportunity to, like, if we need to, we can put them out in, in, in the slot and put them out in, as a split end and, and a flanker. And so uh, that, that's in the mix, yeah, And but uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe you're, you're kind of forecasting what we're going to be doing with those guys, but I love the way they block, right? It's, it's a... It's a you can tell if someone really cares if they block downfield. So I, I love the way they block and open up some some uh, some opportunities for our other guys to gain more yards. And 
I mean, it's Isaac. You think that his dad was a All American tight end or something here? You know what I mean? But <laughs> like he had it, some good genetics. In yeah, there he can get up and and he's bigger than his dad. He's taller, so he can jump up and grab the ball. But he also showed that he can get down low and and scoop it up as well. And he, he you know, that tight end group is young. I mean, it was good to see Hank Tuipulotu get in the game because he's got mad ball skills. And then, you know, we have we have other guys coming off their missions and. um I don't know, man. Mormons great make great tight ends, and so let's keep it rolling. Let's keep these guys going, and maybe they can have the type of careers that, that Andrew George and Dennis Pitta had here. Speaking of tight ends, Kalani, last year the BYU tight ends accounted for five touchdown receptions, and this year, even without the great Matt Bushman, BYU tight ends have five touchdown receptions. They're making do and making things happen. Well, I think, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to our offensive staff for, for organizing and, and preparing a scheme to play to, to, the, to the talent and skill set of Matt Bushman and then not just dropping it when, when he got hurt. It's just yeah. keeping it going and giving these young guys an opportunity to do it. And you're seeing, you're seeing these guys get out there. and I mean, you're looking at like, you know, I mean, I'm looking at like uh, Wheat and, and Rex. They're, they're, son, they're legacy boys, right? So their dad's played here and I mean, it, it makes sense for them to get out there. They've been around BYU football for a long time, and so it's just nice to see those guys make plays and nice to see us putting them in positions that we would normally have Matt Bushman in and, and allowing them to have show their athleticism. Finally, Kalani, how do you think you guys responded to the challenge of taking on a team that uh, was a heavy underdog and you'll be in a similar situation next week? Has this team kind of shown you that, yeah, this is this is all about the business here and, and we're going to go do what needs to get done and, and, and play sharp as we, uh, as we can? Yeah, and our focus is purely on what we can do as a team, individually and as a unit and playing team football, right? And and it doesn't really matter who the opponent is now. We're going to scout them and be ready for them and understand what they're going to do and, we'll, and the looks that we're going to get. But this, it doesn't, we're going to respect them as much as possible. But this thing is about us and, and, and us getting better as a unit. And so we, we have to be ready to play at our best regardless of who the opponent is. And, and whoever shows up, and then if they play their best, great. We should have a lot of confidence that they're going to see our best shot. And I feel like we, we were close to doing that tonight. Kalani, congratulations on 6-0 and for this program, and best of luck as you get ready for Western Kentucky right back here in seven nights. Love the fans, 6,000 that were here. Appreciate you guys. Love the fans back home listening, and uh, love you guys. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Go Cougs. Thanks, Kalani. Have a great week. Okay, see you next week. That is Kalani Sitake, head coach of the BYU Cougars. His guys go to 6-0 and with the 52-14 to win over Texas State. All right, fantastic. We will come back and get into Cougar Nation now. If uh, Jake Spavadol has uh, spoken to the press and those comments are available, we'll get to them. Either way, we'll get to your feedback on Cougar Nation now. BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now. To get into the program, uh, you text us, or rather, your, beg your pardon, you tweet us, Hashtag BYUCNN. Hashtag BYUCNN. The CNN is for Cougar Nation now. Hashtag BYUCNN. You can also just uh, tweet directly to me, at Greg Rubel. I can see your comments that way as well. You can use the email. Some like to do that on the program. And it's CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. CougarNationNow, one long word with two N's near the back of that word. CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. Your comments coming up next. It is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, and it starts after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to BYU Dining's Cougar Nation Now. 
BYU Dining, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Be part of the show by emailing your questions to CougarNationNow at BYU.edu or tweet your questions using the hashtag BYUCNN. Let's head live to the Mo Betta's broadcast booth and join Riley Nelson, Mitchell Jurgens, and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. This is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. First question on Cougar Nation Now comes in from Jeff Ward, who says, can you guys explain what Daffy Duck means? Because Kalani Sitake used the description a few times to discuss uh, the various formations Texas State used that were a little unconventional. Riley, describe how unconventional they were and what the central tenet of tonight's Daffy Duck was for the Bobcats. So as far as the terminology, every coach, coaching staff names things you know the nomenclature is different so it just i think for whether that was specific to the uh formation that that kalani had actually named that formation i think while we didn't address this with him specifically i think that's just a general term that he uses for formations that are you know really unique or, or really changed so again to paint the picture greg so there was a center a guard and they had a wing but he was off the line of scrimmage um, and then there a quarterback and a running back. So around the ball, there was six players, and then spread out. Then they would send when you say guard. There are actually guards on either side. Guards of yes, yeah. yes. So balanced. Yeah, yeah, there could be. There have been sometimes I've seen where they put both guards on. So one it was side. center, left guard, right guard, wing back, quarterback, running back. Running back. Six around the ball. Six around the ball. Then they sent the two tackles. They brought the right tackle over to the left side of the field, and they actually did keep the two tackle look. It was always on the left side of the field or the near sideline, and they brought them out and lined them up on the line of scrimmage uh, on, on the numbers or by the numbers, and they were, they were spread out. So while the guard center guard had normal splits, the two tackles had wide splits. They were probably about three yards apart. And then depending on the formation, they would have one wide receiver off the ball who was somewhat who was kind of set right behind the two tackles that were out by the numbers, and then they had another wide receiver outside of the furthest tackle um, who you need to have on the ball. And then the, the final, the 11th, so that's 10 if you count them. You have six, then four, and then you had a single wide receiver to the right side of the formation. So the seven on the line of scrimmage that you have to have was the wide receiver to the right, the three linemen around the ball, the two tackles, and then the other wide receiver uh, there. So that's what he was referring to. Now, there were different variations of that. They came in times where it was, as you called it, Greg, um, what was the name for it? It's a... Formation from the old air raid offense, the air raid used to run, but you had a special name for it. Um, not anyway, but where they have it, you have the normal uh, tackle guard, center guard, tackle. But I may have called the air raid max with the air raid max. Splits. Yes, yeah. there you go. So, but yeah, five five yard splits, right? Yeah. So they did that a little bit. And there were times when the two tackles were actually on either side of the formation, split yeah. out where wide receivers might be. So it had some, it had some right. So rather than being it. on the same t- side, you had yeah. them the, both them outside. So that's what he meant by Daffy Duck. And look, the main reason was I talked about this in the broadcast but I'll talk about it here again is Texas State turned on the film and they're like geez we can't we can't line up and expect to get any kind of run game going we're probably going to have some issues in protection so what can we do to try and get 
something going. Well, let's try this formation, right? Let's be inventive. Let's try and give something that energizes our our guys, gives them something to look forward to throughout the week of practice. And sure enough, it worked. They came out. One of the other things that we didn't really get to mention because they moved so quickly is not only did they come out and line up in this formation, but they tempoed it. They did not substitute, so it didn't allow BYU to substitute or catch any kind of breath to do any kind of coaching to, about how to align or to get the right people on the field. Once BYU did get a chance to substitute, they took out two defensive linemen, replaced them with linebackers, because the whole point of lining up in this formation is get BYU's guys in space, right? L- spread them out, you give the ball to our quick guys in space, and it's much harder to make an open field tackle than it is to make a tackle in the box. So the second that BYU got a chance, they uh, sent off two big guys, sent on two medium-sized guys who were better tacklers in space, and after you know the first drive, really, they adjusted really well, and the formation didn't uh, affect or hurt BYU after that. Kelly Chapman asks, with the hashtag BYUCNN, at what point is a fumble play over? He references the yeah. snap over the head of Zach Wilson. He says Zach was laying on the field with the ball in his hands or arms. How long does a player ha- need to have it before the play is over? And, and, and there's a bit of subjectivity to it. But I think if, if Zach had just pulled it under his body on the first uh, on the first um, attempt, the, it would have been over at that point. He just didn't get the clean security of it, and it allowed two guys to jump on him and essentially pop it to an area where they could. They, they, I, I thought he had the football, but he didn't have it clean. You and, said, and, and, the, and they'll allow some. I mean, they'll be somewhat oh, liberal yeah. when 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 piles are uh, you know jumping on footballs to see who actually ends up with it. I. I I don't have a major issue with how that play was adjudicated. I just wish that he'd gotten a cleaner grab of it. Yeah, you said it right, Greg. And most of the time, a ref will blow it dead or will stop guys from piling on if a guy has the ball tucked into his belly and grasped, right? Because they don't want guys just taking free shots. The way the timing worked out, I think Zach had it corralled in his arm, but he didn't have it all the way clutched into his body when the first guy made contact with him. At that point, the ref is going to let it happen. I, I will say this, though. Nat- natural grass, I love playing on natural grass and it's it makes the just the hits are better it feels better underneath your feet but in this time of year and where the temperatures were cooling at that time of the game where it had moved where the start of the game was in the you know mid 60s by that time it was the low 50s getting into and we finished in the 40s Duke uh, collects on the field and I think that's what happened to Zach as he uh, went back to try and uh, get on that fumble. His feet slipped out from underneath him and didn't allow him to get his whole body to cover up on the football. A question came in from uh, Devin, wondering about the minus 20 in the rushing yardage total credited not to a player but to team. This is uh, called the team rush. It's on the bad snap. Uh, They don't credit it to the recipient of the bad snap. They don't credit it to the snapper who's not a true offensive player in this case, the center, um, it's gone as team. And that's, it's in the statistician's manual. It's how, they, it's how they choose to list it so that uh, bad snaps don't get credited to any one particular player. Rather, the team picks it up. It does count toward your, to- your, your, your team total, of course, uh, but it is a minus 20 that goes to no one in particular. Um, and that's uh, how you get to 227, where BYU actually had you know, the 247 before those losses on the bad snap. That's just kind of how, it, how it's done. In the stat book. All right, Greg, yes. is it not just really quick on that? The other time you'll see that is on kneel downs. Is that correct? Uh, Don't yeah. they attribute those team, to the team? team rushing yeah. yards, yeah. Now, now they will, um, when quarterbacks spike it, those count as incompletions. Right. Those ones do get credited to the quarterback as an incomplete pass, but kneel downs are team losses. Yep. I think the NFL might rule it differently. I think the NFL's kneel downs go to the player, but in college they go to team. 
There you go. All right, before we take a break, let's uh, get Mitchell Jurgen's post-game thoughts before we take break number one in BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation now. Uh, Mitchell, good to have you back up. Uh, I, I, you know, we really didn't talk about the weather beyond the fact that we noticed the wind picking up and the fact that there's snow in the forecast for the morning. Uh, but I guess this will be your first cold-weather game of the season. Did yeah. it feel that way to you? It was cold, um, but it really was not bad at all. Um, I mean, it was... It was it was a great night for a football game, uh, especially as a player. I mean, you look at these games. Once you start, I mean, you get out there, you run one route, you uh, you know tackle one person. Yeah, like Mitch, not, how many guys had sleeves on down there? None of them. Yeah, I, I mean, really, very very rarely uh, a number of players had, if any, sleeves on. Um, and, and so this was for the players. This, this, Specifically, this was a perfect game. Uh, weather wasn't bad. Even in the end of the fourth quarter, um, you, you didn't really feel the the brisk of the wind um, when it did pick up. So, uh, perfect night for a game for me in particular. I mean, I'm still my Texas. I have my Texas roots, so I'm still trying to trying to build uh, some resilience to the cold weather. I had a couple layers on. Uh, it was still a little chilly, but uh, just bracing for that December game here in Provo. <laughs> Uh, last week, by the way, was Houston cold. Uh, that, that was 50s and wind and rain on game day last week. So uh, that, that wasn't Utah cold, but it was Houston cold last week in Houston. It was. Um, but still, I mean, it, it was so far. I mean, you can't complain about the weather that we've gotten so far. It's It's been uh, uh, been great. And uh, just the – and to, I guess my post-game thoughts. One, one thought I will have, I'll make this brief, but – the offense, um, especially the ones, I mean, they looked unstoppable today. Everything they tried worked. Um, loved the, you know, no negative plays, no negative um, penalties that took them out of um, conversion, you know, third down conversions. Everything was manageable. Everything just looked so well orchestrated from uh, from the coaching staff and, and the execution by the players. And, and this team just, if there was any... Um, you know, lack of ability to run the football last week. They quickly corrected that, and guys just looked sharp, uh, well, gelled well as a team, and um, so very impressed with their performance tonight. All right, this is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation now. Greg and Mitch and Riley with you, and taking your comments using the hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. You can also email us, CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. We'll take a break and return to Lavelle Bird Stadium after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to Cougar Nation now on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Here's your host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. A little late for our legal ID, but at a quarter past the hour, quarter past one here in the Mountain Time Zone, let us pause 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. BYU Radio, 107.9 FM, KUMT, Randolph, and KBYU FM, HD2, Provo. This is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, brought to you by the BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Later in this uh, hour, we will have trivia for two half gallons of famous Creamery ice cream. All right, no audio from Texas State head coach Jake Spavadol, but a quote has been provided us. I'll read that quote to you now. And the quote is general, and it's about um, how his, it's about how his team played tonight. And the quote from Jake Spavadol is as follows. They still played. They were such a good team, meaning BYU. They were such a good team that we were playing, and we had difficulty just doing some simple execution in terms of just moving them. They're a talented team. 
and we came out and threw a lot of different wrinkles at them for a shot because we knew they were a good team. They did finish the game, and I'm pleased with that, speaking of his guys, but we can't have so many mistakes. We did some uncharacteristic things, so we've got to clean up. We're a young team, and we've got to keep playing. Eventually, things will start going our way if we learn from our mistakes and keep pressing forward. Those are the comments of Jake Spavadol, the head coach of the Texas State Bobcats. Greg Grubel, Riley Nelson, Mitchell Juergens with you in the press box here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Taking your comments for Cougar Nation now using the hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN. Our good friend Chaplain Schumann weighing in tonight saying the defensive stop after the fumbled snap and the subsequent touchdown told the story of this game dominant on both sides of the ball. He says of all Texas State's losses, BYU's margin of victory, which was 38 tonight, nearly doubles that of Troy of uh, of Texas State's previous large margin of defeat, which was 20 points against Troy. So, yeah, uh, Texas State have been playing people close. SMU's now ranked. They lost by 7 to SMU. They lost in double overtime to UTSA, who played BYU well. That was a three-point game. They won a game at Louisiana Monroe. Then they lost at Boston College, P5 team, by three. Then then Troy got them by 20, and that was the largest margin of defeat until tonight. BYU led this thing at one point 49-7 before winning it 52-14. to So the Cougars led by 42 at one point. So BYU indeed uh, covered a generous spread and uh, beat, BYU, beat Texas State like no one had uh, so far this season. So kudos to BYU for doing what it had to do to, I think, uh, impress the right people and and show that this team is for real beyond what BYU did last week at Houston. Now, that's really the challenge right now, guys, is not just to win, but kind of win the right way. And tonight was an example of winning the right way. Do you agree, Riley? I do. And it, it, it uh, You hope that when people look at the box score, they see that, all right, they got one in the first quarter while BYU was maybe doing some adjustments, and then they got one in the fourth, which any reasonable voter or media member or fan, for that matter, would assume came against the twos. And that was the case. Hopefully the, the people who have the responsibility or get the privilege to vote also look in, see that, maybe take a little look and be like, oh, Texas State also didn't put in their, their second stringers when BYU was you know two and three in on the depth chart. But as Mitch said, and then if you just pop in the highlights, you'll see – and look at the drive chart, you'll see that the offense was absolutely unstoppable. They did it on, through, you know, just the run game. They did it through the normal offense. And then, of course, Zach, as always, it's becoming customary, provided two or three absolute highlight real plays. Riley, or Mitchell, we used the phrase style points, and BYU had them tonight, a lot of them courtesy of Zach Wilson. That throw he made, the cross-the-field throw, which travels some 60-odd yards in the air, um, w- with some pressure and kind of an abbreviated follow-through, um, that's that that's going to get people talking. Yeah, and this is, I mean, we've, you saw the comparisons last week, right? The the Patrick Mahomes, you know, like comparisons of, of Zach Wilson's style of play. Um, this is going to be one that hands down is, is Patrick Mahomes-esque, right? Where he just, he, he's rolling out, he looks the other way, finds, you know, sees Dax, just chucks it, you know, across the entire field and, and results in a scoring touchdown. Um, but this is, I mean, everything that they're doing is just is so dominant. One thing we didn't see today, though, and I will say, I mean, we've talked about this in the broadcast, no Mason Way curdle this week, which is kind of disappointing. Almost, almost First feels, game without one, wasn't it? Yeah, it almost, almost feels like there was something left unfinished <laughs> on the field, and it was the Mason Way curdle. Wish we could have got one of those in there, but, yeah, I mean, everything, uh, one one person I just continually, continuously love to see 
um, dominant on the field the way that he plays is Tyler Algier. You know, we talked about it in the broadcast. The guy loves contact, and I, I, I don't know if I, mean, I went back and looked at every single rush he had. He never goes down with the first player. Um, he loves that contact, and, and if it's one-on-one, you know Tyler's winning that battle. Um, there were a number of plays where Tyler looked like he was going up against one of their backers that probably had 30, 40 pounds on him and ran him over almost every time. It was just mm. so fun to see. He's, he's he's one of those humble backs that just gets the ball, runs up field, does his job, and, and Kintel just loves doing it. Back to Zach for a second. If Zach is exceptional... That probably means BYU as a team is going to be exceptional. And if Zach's doing amazing things, that hopefully means that BYU's doing amazing things. And and um, and while I almost hate to acknowledge it, the people who worry about the next level are starting to salivate a little bit about BYU starting quarterback. And if BYU has the special season that that fans have been waiting for for so so long, um, you know they they. They might say, well, you know what? What more can you do? You know, you, you led BYU to a place BYU's never been. Uh, but, man, it would be great to, to see, you know, what would even be beyond this season if we if he were to, to, to stay and, and do it for BYU one more year. But I know, uh, especially if BYU has the quote-unquote special year, uh, he'll be hearing from a lot of people who say, man, you are, you are ready. And nights like tonight, when he makes some of the throws he made like tonight, have some of those people probably saying, yeah, that, that's, that's a pro. Um, and and I don't know exactly what his thought process will uh, will entail once this season is in the books, but we're seeing something pretty special. And and the, the characteristics are there that make seasoned observers believe he'll he'll make money doing this. Do you want me to give you some hope that may sound like uh, may sound like I'm saying get off my lawn? So the throw was awesome. Don't get me wrong, and like the raw talent, but he's going to get like a C minus for the decision. Because and then the second thing is it, the defense. It was a complete and utter bust, and against you know decent competition, you're not pulling that off. So there you go. There's a couple we cannot. We just knocked his draft pro- profile down like a smidgen. No, I mean in all seriousness, he's uh, you know the, he's getting all the talk and. <sighs> Fans and media and pundits are they, they have opinions. A lot of them are very knowledgeable, but they're kind of just talking about whatever's the latest and greatest and whatever's the hottest. This will come to fruition once the season ends, once the scouts get the film. And I don't think there's going to be a huge. I don't think there's going to be a huge chasm. But the other thing that might motivate. Look, we're talking about him. You know, he just he just barely uh, he, and take this for what it's worth. But like he just barely passed me. If he stays another season, he could be mentioned. You know, I'm proud of my career here, and I'm a name that some people remember, but it's mostly for high fives and hair and abs and stuff like that, right? If he stays another season, he could be mentioned in the same vein as Detmer, as Young, as McMahon. And now, whatever happens past college, let that be what it is. But I'm talking about he could put himself on the Mount Rushmore of uh, of BYU quarterbacks if this continues through this season and into next. And maybe that's a motivating factor for him. And he would have the opportunity to, presuming BYU plays the way we expect them to this year, lead BYU into a preseason ranking, which the Cougars usually don't have, and into a schedule unlike the schedule BYU played this year. And, and part of me wonders, if not hopes, that Zach wants to have that kind of year against those kinds of teams with the kinds of players that are going to be back. Because everybody playing this year if they choose to, can all be back next year. Because of the NCAA waiver, even a senior is not a senior. So in essence, this year's team can be next year's team 
if certain players decide they want to do it again, and some may not for different reasons. But there's a lot of potential there to uh, to do, arguably, um, similar things on an even grander stage against tougher competition. Tebow was not a first-round. He was not graded as a first-round pick. Obviously, he got picked in the first round for reasons outside. But when Tebow decided, that Florida team that he played on with Urban Meyer, when Tebow decided to come back for his senior year after having the chance to go after his junior year, there was about another six or seven NFL dudes who decided to stay with him. So what you're talking about is a very similar scenario to what happened with Florida. When when that guy, when the guy who's pulling the trigger and that guy who's your most special and he's your lightning rod player, when he says, I'm coming back to run it back, all those other guys start weighted more heavily and they get drawn by that magnetism of what could be. And I believe when they came back and Tebow wanted his senior year and that Florida, obviously, all those special things came came to fruition. Sorry. Oh, real quick, though. So for what it's worth, quick comment. Um, Steve Young was on Sports Nation this week, and it was actually posed the, you know, they posed the same question as what what were his thoughts on what Zach Wilson would do. He made the bold, I mean, not a bold prediction. It was more his, you know, opinion, but you know, putting himself in Zach's shoes and, and thought that Zach would make a return um, for next season and wouldn't declare for the draft. Um, so obviously this is all speculation. It wasn't like Steve had a, an answer from Zach, hey, I'm coming back, right? Oh, but, but Steve, you, you know. Steve's got <laughs> sources of intel There's, that the rest of us you know, aren't privy to. When you've got a gold jacket, <laughs> you just hear things that, uh, that, that so, the Joe public are not so privy for to. So what it, for what it's worth, right, I don't know if anyone else, any of our listeners had listened to that Sports Nation interview but it could give us somewhat of hope that we may see Zach Wilson next so season. I don't know and look we're on it so let's stay on it unless Greg you need to kick us <laughs> to break but uh, no um, look we know he is not one of these scenarios just by being and for our listeners out there that don't live here and you he went to Corner Canyon Corner Canyon's uh, a high school where the population is a pocket of Salt Lake it's upper middle class right so we know Zach comes from a, a background where it's not like he needs the family for or he needs the money to help his family right and bring him out of poverty so i don't think money's a big motivator for him uh quite honestly i i honestly think that it's going to come down for him whether he's he feels like there's nothing left to accomplish at the game and every time we talk to him i feel like he doesn't we all think that he's this great finished project. He doesn't think it. I don't think he views himself as a finished project. I think he views himself as a guy who wants every opportunity to continue to progress and get better. So all those things, despite all the outside talk, make me very encouraged that we might see him for longer than we think. And if we don't, then we wish him the best and on to an NFL career. And he's set up to have a, a true junior drafted in the early rounds. What that does for a program from a recruiting standpoint – from a profile standpoint, from a notoriety standpoint, it, uh, it, it can't be understated. So either way, um, I, I think it, it's all positives. And, and there are three games that we, can, that we know of right now that will have something to say about maybe what he believes he still has to accomplish at BYU, and that is Boise State, mm-hmm. it's San Diego State, and it's whatever bowl game you play in. Yep. And, um, and, and the result of those three games – might have a lot to say about what he chooses to do with next year. Um, just how how good does this year get? How special does this season become? And how high does the hype get? And and I I'm just putting myself in in again a, the, the quarterback shoes. If you were given reasonable assurances, and there's no sure thing, but if you were given reasonable assurances that that you were, um, well, you tell me, is it crazy to think 
that somebody might tell him or multiple people might say or assess that he's a late first round pick is that crazy is that a little is, is that a bridge a little too far I mean, Mel Kuyper's already put him. So there was Jordan Love was the fourth quarterback off the board last year, and he was the 30th pick out of 32. Mm-hmm. Um, Mel Kuyper had him fourth or fifth. So he's got him right in that neighborhood, right? Now, Mel Kuyper had him that before the Big Ten started, before the Pac-12 started, and there's a couple more prospects in there who he hadn't, he wasn't including in his evaluation. But, no, I do not think that's outside the realm yeah, of possibilities. And, and, and know that everything I'm saying here I hate talking about because right. I, it really bugs me to, to, that, I, that I'm even going this far down the road because I'm all about BYU this season. Yes. You're right, and, and, and him being as great as he can be as long as he can be for BYU. But it, you know, but at one thirty in the morning, you yeah. kind of get off your storylines. <laughs> but but if you go, but if you're a first round pick this year, can you be higher than a first round pick next year? Well, no, you can't. Yeah. Now what you can do is move up you a few s- spots with it. But even then, but, you, wait, you, you get there's also by, the risk but, of sliding. But you get picked by yeah, you get picked by teams that need quarterbacks. Yeah. If, if a team doesn't need a quarterback, you're not going in the first six. If those teams don't need a quarterback, it, it's all about need. But if it's first round need and first round met. Uh, then you can't do much better than that, but you can go the other way, or you could have something catastrophic happen, and heaven forbid. So those are all the things that I think play into it. It's like, oh, how much better can I get in terms of in, in their eyes? Yeah. So then it becomes a much more personal thing about you know teammates and belief in school, and I can still do this and that. So uh, long story short, it's going to be a fascinating decision process, but I only hope it comes after the most special of seasons that BYU can somehow muster and generate here in the weeks to come. All right, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and do what this show is designed to do, which is get back to your comments uh, using hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN on Twitter. I will jump this in before the break. Uh, Jeff did want to know, Jeff Ibsen, why was there such a long delay on calling defensive PI when they intercepted that ball? It felt like it took an eternity waiting for the call to actually be announced at the stadium. It took an eternity on the radio, too, we should note. It was real-time eternity. I don't know what the deal was. I should have asked. I don't know why that was a discussion. It was a long discussion with multiple officials. It was a pretty simple play, or so we thought. And they went to both coaches, right? Yeah, what was going on? Do you I, know? I have no idea. I mean, I was. I, I even. I think I piped up in the broadcast at this point, too, is, you know, it couldn't have been a discussion of whether it was an uncatchable ball. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know what else, uh, unless they thought that Dax had the initial, you know, PI potentially to, um, and then fell because of it. I, I really have no idea. What or, maybe, or, maybe, or, or maybe, um, now, as I recall, he intercepts the ball and momentum didn't take him into the end zone, but he took himself into the end zone and may have downed the ball there. And had BYU opted to take that part of the play, they could have perhaps taken a safety on that component. That could be what the, what the discussion was. That's why both co- uh, coaches got a talking to. That, that, at least that's that makes sense. Yeah, and you definitely don't want to be trading seven points for two, yeah. which is what would have happened yeah. in that scenario. Okay. That's, so, that's probably, yeah. as I just think it out loud, that makes sense. Uh, okay, I said one thing before the break, one more thing before the break. This is a, a, a matter of logistics. Shelley says, I've noticed some players with a C on the front shoulder of their jersey. Do you know what it's for? You know what it's for. That's the captain C. Captain, I originated you know? in hockey, didn't it? That's yeah. where I know it. Where the C. Yep. Yeah. Now, of course, in hockey, they go on to add the A, which is the alternate captain. But in this case, you have multiple captains, so they're all its the same deal. Uh, From uh, Randy, I don't understand Coach Satake's comment about the fake punt. Aren't fakes always called by the coach? He said the punter didn't run the fake on his own, did he? And in reality, that's... Well, and and that's the rugby style, right? And and when I was when we played, I mean, we had the I played with Johnny Linehan, and and we had the rugby style. And they tell you is, a, and and the benefit of the rugby style pun is you start you know running to your right, 
and before you punt the ball, you're reading the defense. And so the message was always, if the lane is open, take it. Right, and that's what Kalani was talking about. Is if it's there, you run. Now in that situation, right, being that far up, that that's a message to the punter saying it doesn't matter if it's open or not. Right, the the Red Sea splits, you still punt it because you know we're not trying to, you know, force something down the the opponent's throat. But interesting you go that for it. Uh, the other in, in terms of what players are allowed to do and not do, the other night Eagles Giants are playing. And it's a tight game. This is not a game where a team a, a team had a, right, that a, one a came game down to the wire. Giants punter at one point notices one of his guys is unguarded, like 30 yards away from the nearest defender, unguarded, and he kind of looks at the sideline like, uh, I got a guy here. Do you want me to throw it to him? And apparently he got the no-go or the no-throw or we're just running punt here, and he punts it away. And literally, and, and then the, and, the, and what makes it worse is the dude who was uncovered didn't even never look. looked yeah, at the punter. Look back. Like, never even crossed no. his mind. That's a team that doesn't have any reaction, like, like any, any uh, uh, situational awareness. Where the punter might have thought about it, but the guy on the outside didn't think about it, and no, nobody was you know, alerting him to it. It was weird. So he provided a great learning opportunity for Texas State. So you'll notice this, for the listeners out there that are still with us, please notice this next Saturday when you're watching your slate of college football. You'll see oftentimes on a punt cover, on a punt return unit, they'll send a couple of guys. They're not running to try and block the kick, and they're not running back to try and set up a return. They kind of run across the line of scrimmage, they kind of jog across, and then they kind of sit there in no man's land. And you're like, what are these dudes doing? Those guys are called, they are to secure that the ball gets kicked. Texas State did not have anyone assigned to secure that the ball get kicked. They had two guys, and they sent everybody else back to set up a return. And so Rico did what he was coached to do and made him pay for their lack of execution or lack of strategy there. But as Mitch talked about, and Kalani used the term locket, that's typically what you do. It happens on offense too. They'll sometimes late in the game in a burn in a call scenario, you'll get an RPO call and they'll say lock it. So which means I know even if the pass option is there, do not pass it. Run the run play, keep the clock going. All right, break time. It's about time for a break. Uh, we'll be back to your comments using hashtag BYUCNN. Email CougarNationNow at BYU.edu. We'll have trivia for ice cream coming up as well. This is BYU Creamery, Cougar Nation Now, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation Now, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Uh, Brigham Talbot uh, using the snail mail, the email in this case, Cougar Nation now at byu.edu. says, Greg, Riley, and Mitch. See, for a while there, you know, it was Greg and Riley, and some people just forget Mitch. <laughs> and now everyone, I'm knows easily not, everyone knows not to forget Mitch I mean, because we've schooled the audience that this is, a, this is a three-headed monster. This is a three-man crew that once the postgame is done, Mitch is up here, and uh, he, he is as much, he's as much the boss as anybody else in this booth. All right, Greg Riley and Mitch, he says, thanks for always staying up so late after these games to bring us these broadcasts. Tonight's game was awesome, and I noticed the tremendous amount of sportsmanship that Texas State showed even when things got rough for them. My question is, do you guys know when BYU's last pick six was before tonight? Feels like it's been a while. And we do know, and it has been a while, three years. And it was at Utah State in 2017, and in a game BYU lost by a score of 40-24. to 24. That was the weird game when uh, Coy Detmer ended up playing. We went oh, through yeah. three quarterbacks, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. It was a Koi night. Koi got in. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Yep. No, Bo started. Right? Bo Hodge? Yeah. So he was out with a concussion. And then Koi. I thought there were three. Finish? I thought there were there was a third. Who would the third have been? Okay, we're going to find So who were the four? So four play that year. Oh, Tanner? Have, um, Tanner, Bo, Koi. Who was, was the Joe? Oh, Joe? yeah, and Joe uh, Critchlow. Critchlow. But I don't think he played against Utah State. I think that was just Bo and uh, Bo went out with a concussion. But Bo went out early, though, and I don't yeah. remember Koi being in for that long. Oh. Yeah, real, uh, uh, Riley um, is correct. Uh. Yeah, Bo Hodge, five for nine and a pick. A couple of touchdowns. Goes out. Koi Detmer, seven for 20 with no touchdowns and three picks. Just throwing seam routes right and left comes in. I'm not going to the flat. I'm letting it rip. <laughs> but early in that game, when it was still a game, Micah Hanneman took it to the house for 46 yards, and that was BYU's last pick six before tonight. Of course, the more memorable pick six I said tonight was the Fred Warner yep. at uh, Boise State. It was a longer one, but it was down the same sideline and akin to and Isaiah Kofusi tonight. Yeah, a tonight, linebacker there was down stuff the going on. Like yeah. he, he had to a stay in bounds, b get through people, and there was people banging up. Yeah, it was it was a mess, and he gets in, and that that tonight kind of felt the same way. Like like wow, he's going to somehow find a way into the end zone. I don't know how, but it's going to happen. It was almost one of those plays, and I remember watching the Fred Warner one, and when you know I saw Isaiah do the same thing, you almost want to ask them the question: Did you realize? That you had, you know, there were moments when you're taking hits. Where it was like, how am I still up, right? And sometimes, I mean, that it, it happens where you're just, I mean, you're expecting hits. You're almost, uh, you know, the goal is always to stay on your feet. But sometimes you're a little surprised, like, wait, how am I still on my feet? And I'm I'll still going. How, I'll tell you how. <laughs> some offensive players do not participate in turnover, turnover prevention period. Yep. Any self-respecting team during turnover, turnover prevention should Offensive players should practice tackling, and Texas State, I don't think, did. You just had a bunch of guys flying through just with their shoulders. Off. Yeah, wrap up. <laughs> a bunch of guys who never played two ways. When you grow up in Logan, Utah, and you only have 15 kids on your entire Little League team, grow all the way up growing through, you got no choice but to learn how to tackle. So. <laughs> and uh, now the game that uh, Mitchell Juergens wins for BYU in 2015 against Boise State here. So Mitch makes the play in the end zone on fourth down. That's the, that's the game. You know, that, that's the game-winning touchdown, but the game-sealing touchdown. Kainakua. It's Kainakua, and he did something similar down Very. that same sideline. Yep. As Jerem Jordan notes. As on everyone the, was uh, saying, on, Kai, go down, go down, go down. <laughs> you see, you see you know, Bronco. <laughs> Coach Mendenhall is throwing, you know, has his, you know, card, and he's waving right in front of him because, I mean, he's almost running with Kai, you know, saying, get down, get down, and Kai just blew through all those stop signs and. Yeah, Jerem just texted me about that that similarity as well. So the, those pick sixes all happen down the same sideline, and uh, the traffic makes it kind of fun as guys weave their way through and into the end zone. Uh, a, a tweet came in, and the tweet noted the fact that uh, the pass interference call was missed in the fourth quarter. Remember that uh, yeah, Baylor yeah. took a deep hit to Chris Jackson, I think it was, right? Yeah. It sure looked like there was contact before the ball, and Maybe you, you surmised that in a tighter game, different situation, that gets called. Maybe not because of where the game was, but I thought it was a missed call. 100%. And so did Trent on the uh, No, on the, the DB, like they teach you, when you are when you know you're beat and you're the last line of defense, take 15, yeah. especially because it's not a spot foul in college. They teach you, they like, tackle the guy. Because rather, we'll take the 15-yard penalty in first and 10 uh, rather than giving up seven. And that's what the DB did, obviously. 
But uh, and well, the backyard, the, by the way, the backyard's hand it went to his yeah. waist, but then he came back out and decided not to call. And it. That was that was oh. the second one too. Yeah. I mean, there was a, the the drive the before. Route. I think it was Carter Wheat. He, yeah, he on got a dig, on a basic cross, almost a, a full second before he the ball got to him. He he took a hit. So yeah. you still, I mean, you still got to throw those flags for those. You can't just. Based on the margin of, of you know what what the score looks like, you still got to call those plays. Okay, uh, I, I, we have some drama here because uh, we've been we've been alerted to an error, uh, and and so BYU puts out game notes for every game, and, and among tonight, you know, the, among the game notes you get from BYU are when are the last time that X events happened, and in the game notes for this week, the last pick six is listed as at Utah State in 2017. Overlooked is the fact, and reminded are we of the fact by Scott Bame on the Twitter that, yes, BYU had a pick six last year in the FCS game against Idaho State. Austin Lee took one back to the house for 26 yards. Mm. So we're going to let uh, the powers that be know that they, that needs to get updated. won't matter now because now there's a new last time. It was tonight. But anyway, that was the previous last time, not the 2017 game. But thank you, Scott Bame. Uh, last year versus Idaho State. Uh, was the last pick six for BYU. Joe Wilson a- asked about the status of Keenan Peely tonight. Uh, Keenan Peely and uh, Tyler Batty were scratches before the game, uh, unavailable tonight. Um, so not available, not able to play. Um, and that's all we could tell you about to Keenan. But he and Tyler Batty were in a similar boat. And uh, Ben Bywater may be uh, a longer uh, interruption, maybe a longer absence. He also uh, did not play this evening. All right, is it time for trivia? Should we do trivia? Probably should do some trivia. Do we have a question? I have, I have a question. Sure, okay. I have a question. All right, here it is. Uh, for two half gallons, and I think I should I should probably probably limit this. Because should we I, give one to Scott for finding out the pick six? I mean, does he? Or, oh, wait, no. We give the two half gallons to the one winner. You, you can't split it up. Sorry. Yeah. That was a good catch. It, it really was. All I bit. do appreciate Scott. Yeah. Now Scott's mad at me for not giving him the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you, I'll get it. I'll get you taken care it's of. On, it's yeah. on Riley. Yeah. He'll yeah. meet you there at the you creamery go. on night next week for a cone. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, and uh, also, uh, the, the note about the Boise State game, the Fred Warner game, Diane also had a pick six in that game, too. There were two pick sixes. Diane Gomolik had the other one. All right. Uh, here's your trivia question for two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream. And, and to make it simple... I think I want to isolate it to people using the hashtag BYUCNN because there are too many sources for me to look to yeah. to see who really was first. And so for all you emailers out there, sorry. Yeah, the emailers, I'm sorry. We're not looking to you on this one, and you can't just tweet me. So let's use hashtag BYUCNN, hashtag BYUCNN to be eligible to win the ice cream. Okay? We agreed on that? Hashtag BYUCNN, and the first correct answer to this question wins two half gallons of famous BYU Creamery ice cream. It is BYU Creamery Cougar Nation. Now that's the name of the show. All right. As of now, as of this moment in time, Zach Wilson at 67.2% for his career is the new career completion percentage leader at BYU. Who did he surpass tonight? That's the question. Who was before tonight BYU's previous be a quick one. career completion percentage leader? The first correct answer using hashtag BYUCNN is getting the two half gallons of famous creamery ice cream, and the first answer in is wrong. We're back with the right answer after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Cougar Nation now. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. 
So why can't things just be simple? That's my question. I try to simplify things by saying we're going away from the email. We're going away from just tweeting me. We're going to isolate it to hashtag BYUCNN to submit correct answers for our skill testing trivia. And what do we get? We get issues. Okay? I, I, Spirit of the law or letter of the law? All right. Spirit of the law <laughs> says the guy who wrote Steve Scar gets it. Letter of the law says how can he possibly get it? The answer to the question that we Auto, posed. Autocorrect. We've all been autocorrected before. Okay, so this is going to become a debate. We hope it's not a long one. The question was, who did Zach Wilson pass tonight to become BYU's career completion percentage leader? And the answer is Steve Sarkeesian. Luke tweets in, hashtag BYUCNN, Steve Scar, S-C-A-R. Do we know who we meant? We do know who we meant. Is he close enough? Now, hold, hold on. Like, no, no, keep in mind. Keep in mind. This is the first, quote, unquote, correct answer that came in. Are we sure there wasn't a quarterback in, like, the 30s yes. for BYU <laughs> named Steve Scar that just absolutely was, a, you know, dart thrower? So accurate. <laughs> Pretty sure there wasn't. And so we think that we know that Steve Scar means Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Scar also reminds me of Michael Scarn. And, and threat th- level midnight, threat level midnight, or threat and, uh, level one fifty. It's threat level one fifty in the morning right now. Is. is what it is. And there's a real threat level against me because if I give it to the guy that said Steve Scar, S C A R, the people that actually submitted Steve Sarkeesian are going to be really ticked off, and I'm going to hear about it. So what? Oh, what is the right thing to do? And then the uh, furthering the problem is the fact that the next correct answer is from a repeat winner, Cody. We love you, but he's already won ice cream. The next correct answer is from a repeat winner. Ryan, we love you, but he's already won ice cream this year. I think year. we took his away, too, like a week ago, didn't we? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Jeez, thanks for rubbing salt in the wound, Mitch. He's already lost out on repeat ice cream. The next correct answer was a Steve Sark with no easy in. The next one just said Sark. The next one says Steve Sarkeesian. Then you get Sarkeesian, no Steve. Then you get a Sarkeesian misspelled. Then you get a Sark and a Sark. and a. So what do you do on this? If we get too precise then nobody qualifies. Riley, what are we going to do? We give it to uh, – we've uh, we've all been autocorrected, and that's what I think. Sark, unless you've typed it before, would, I think, get uh, autocorrected to Scar. Okay. So there's what we do. There it is. I'm kind of washing my hands with this so, one. So <laughs> fire the Twitter arrows at me. Riley's going to take them. Take Greg has to them. work on Twitter, everybody. Leave him alone. I check mine a couple times a week. So go ahead. Fire all of it. When I open it up tomorrow when I'm bored, then uh, you know I'll, I'll maybe respond back if you got some cl- something clever for me. Okay, we are benevolent dictators here. We're giving it to the guy who's at Steve Scar, and, um, and Ry- it's Riley's decision. And, uh, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian was the answer. He was at 66.9% for his career. And tonight, and this could change. Zach could drop below, but as of now. Zach is at 67.2%, which makes him BYU's career completion percentage leader. I don't, I don't even want to check my mentions for the next little while. It's going to get ugly. But the guy that just won did just tweet me and says, I've never won. So he was trying. He was lobbying yeah. for himself. He was, he, was, he was lobbying for himself saying, hey, I really I haven't won either. So just this is my night. And, um, and, and there it is. Well deserved. Yeah. So, Luke, we, we, we congratulate you. Not for your great spelling, because it was not it was suboptimal tonight, but be, but uh, you were close enough, and tonight close enough wins the prize. So Steve Sarkeesian's the answer, and uh, forever known as Steve Scar. You know, the hearts and minds of Cougar fans everywhere. It could have maybe, been his nickname. I was going to say, maybe, uh, he, maybe this is a really maybe close Maybe Luke knows him very friend. intimately. Exactly, yes. right? And we don't.
Question coming in from Joe. Might wrap up the show tonight. So can BYU count this game as a sellout is his question. Interesting question. And the the, the official attendance tonight was, I believe, 6,475? 6,570. 6,570. So they said 6,000. And they got in officially, according according to the notes here, 6570. For sure. I would call it a sellout. Yeah. We well, went overboard. Won't be the largest crowd in BYU history, but tonight it was a well, sellout. Think about what is the definition of sellout? It means that the tickets, All of the tickets, the tickets were sold. Available were sold. Were sold. I think that's the case. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do wrap it up. Threat level 153 right now. <laughs> we're going to say good night. Okay, folks, thanks for being a part of the broadcast tonight. I really enjoyed bringing it to you all the way up until almost 2 in the morning Mountain Time. Next week we'll be on the air at 6.15 again for BYU and Western Kentucky. Hilltoppers went to 2-4 and today by holding off Chattanooga. Needed a late uh, drive with two fourth down conversions, including fourth and goal with a minute to go to beat Chattanooga. That would have have been an FCS loss. Tough one to take. And considering Chattanooga hadn't played a game yet, because FCS is playing to a handful of games, and this was their first game, if not their only game this year, and they almost beat uh, Western Kentucky. So Hilltoppers and Cougars next Saturday night. As for tonight, another great night for Zach Wilson. Keeps putting up superlatives. And, uh, again, the you know, the record I mentioned a moment ago, or the for the time being record, is not the first one we've mentioned tonight. There's a lot of things going on with him. And next week, there's a chance that uh, if things go well, uh, he'll end up uh, holding a record for most consecutive pass attempts without an, an interception. That record currently belongs to Charlie Peterson, and uh, and Zach is certainly within shouting distance of that particular record. Among the, maybe, I'm not sure how important that record is, but it also uh, speaks to a high level of efficiency and proficiency, while at the same time Zach still attempts and makes big long deep throws well that's that, what i was going to say know. is like there's one thing to be sit for having a string of passes where you don't throw a pick but you're averaging you know six, six yards, yards per attempt, attempt. And, <laughs> yeah. and you've thrown eight touchdowns over that span but that might be something that'd be you know over in the hundred what did he finish at 157 158 attempts tonight yeah he's at 157 going 157 yeah. yeah so it'd be cool to see like all right over the 157 you know he's thrown 16 because I believe he threw the pick before he threw a touchdown in that first game, in, in that Navy game. I think it has been. That was a – Yeah, so he's thrown it was 16 a, picks. Exactly. Or, yeah. or he's thrown 16 interceptions. He's completed 78% of his passes. I mean, stuff like that would be fun to note because that's what really will um, be the true test of the streak. A couple notes before we wrap up. Uh, somebody tweeted in um, that it's probably sh- uh, tough to ship ice cream to Iowa Anyway, somebody either from Iowa or making a comment about, no, no, the problem is it's not. You can win in Iowa. You're going to get your ice cream in Iowa. They'll deliver your ice cream anywhere. BYU Creamery nationwide, baby. (laughs) This is absolutely not a problem. So uh, if you live in Iowa or anywhere, and yeah, Donald Lee tweets in out of Des Moines saying it's tough to ship it to Iowa. No, it's not. Just win and you get it. Just win and you get the ice cream. It goes everywhere. They will ship it anywhere and everywhere. And it stays cold. It does. Uh, Cody, by the way, who I mentioned, came in second with correct answer, but he won ice cream. He says, this is his quote. Is he seething? No, he says, I won my ice cream out of Greg Grubel's generosity last week. I'll accept Riley Nelson's stiff arm tonight. <laughs> Graciously, Gracious bow out. Some people, some people just get it. Uh, and, and there was a tweet that came in earlier that I didn't get to. Uh, somebody making a, a nice comment about Riley Nelson. Because Riley made a uh, – uh, it, was, it was Chaplin Schumann again who says, referencing your high fives, hair, and abs comment. Yeah. 
He says, Riley's picking up his game on the mic, humorous and humble summary of identifying marks. And he said, and here's the, th- the, the, the key note. He says, and he has some great wins as well. Well done, he says. And that's the point. Thank you. You're remembered for more than just the superficial things. Yeah, no, I'm, I've, I'm very, with, with age and maturity, I'm, of course, very proud of my career here and, uh, and very, um, what's the word? Uh, I, like, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm confident with it. it. It was what it was. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't the dream scenario. I battled injuries and it made some dumb plays and we lost some close games. But uh, and the more and more, with every passing year, I cherish more my time here. And with that being the now that I'm, you know, almost 10 years removed, I can joke about it and I can laugh about it. And, you know, it sucks that we boinked two field goals to lose to Utah and it sucks that I missed an open guy against Notre Dame but there's nothing I can do now to change it and it's better to focus on on the fun times that we do have and and quite honestly what this role has allowed me to do is interface back with the fans and the things that they most remember most and those have become more fond moments for me as well so I appreciate the tweet and uh, I'm grateful to be in the booth with you guys and to you know relive these on Cougar Nation now and experience even bigger and better things like uh, like this team's been putting out on the field so far this season. And one of the great things, um, and by the way, and I should note before I mention great things, we did get a tweet wondering, and it was uh, the question was what was Steve Scar's average per attempt? And so I did some quick research on this, and Steve Steve Scar's average per attempt at BYU was nine point four yards. Wow, nine point four yards. You're probably asking yourself, what's Zach Wilson's yards per attempt right now? I think he's over ten. He's at eight point eight nine. Oh, last year was a dip. Um, he went 8.67 in his freshman year, 7.47 last year, and, and that's purely a function, I think, of arm strength, and 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 uh, and how he had to throw last year. And this Opponents year, too, I like. He, yeah, yeah, good point. Know, yeah, I, no, that's fair. That was a murderer's row. That's those First four, yeah. and games. then this year's yards per attempt, a robust 11.98, right now. Jeez. He's tossing it. Yeah. So what I was going to say is among the great things um, that, that, uh, that you guys bring is the fact that you both have moments. I mean, you guys are both responsible for moments people remember. I mean, milestone, kind of landmark moments, big plays, big scores, big wins, and that's a great thing to be known by, the fact that you know people can think back on some of their happiest BYU football memories of the past decade, and you guys are a part of them. It's great. It's awesome. It is fun. What's also kind of fun, I don't know if you guys have been down there, um, but I get to kind of walk around the stadium. They've updated the the banners that hang in Lavelle oh, yeah. Stadium of, of significant highlight wins. Oh, the concourse banners? Yeah. 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 Th- those are pretty fun to go by and, you know, see see yourself on a jersey up on uh, up on a banner. And, and uh, yeah, it looks cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna saunter around uh, the next time I get the chance, and hopefully more fans will be able to, able to saunter as uh, more games are played. And ideally, uh, the numbers increase here at Lavelle Bridge Stadium. I remember saying a moment ago it was threat level 153. It's threat level <laughs> it's threat level 2 a.m. Now we somehow got to 2 a.m. having done nothing of consequence. So let's do wrap it up, uh, folks. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Final score 52 to 14. BYU over Texas State. The Cougs go to six and zero for the first time in 12 years. They try for their first seven and zero start in 19 years. Next Saturday night, it'll be 8.15 on ESPN and all of your favorite radio outlets. And until then, we're going to thank the crew that made tonight's broadcast possible. Back at BYU Radio, our engineers, Barry Squires and Sean Fay, our coordinating producer, Terry South, our control board operator, in for Liam Howard tonight, is the great Cole Wissinger. Our studio host is, as always, Jason Shepard. 
here at BYU in the broadcast booth from the Val Edwards Stadium. Our engineer, Michael Wimmer, our intern slash spotter slash broadcast assistant, Jared Ivins, going back to back. He was at Houston and back in the booth this week. Not every intern gets to go back to back. I'm just saying. Good job, Jared. And uh, then we thank the BYU Sports Information crew, Athletic Communications crew, Duff Tittle, Brett Pine, Kenny Cox, Jenny Wheeler, uh, Jordan Christiansen, um, uh, and many more, and many more. Uh, Ari, Ari Davis as well. So thanks to them for helping us do our jobs as well as we possibly can. And that leaves the guys on the headset, which would mean the man to my far left. Riley Nelson. The man to my near left. Mitchell Jurgens. And my name is Greg Rubel. Thanking you once again for being a part of our night. BYU 52, Texas State 14 is our final score. The Cougars 11th and 12th in the latest polls. Where will they be tomorrow? Tune in and find out. It'll be fun to see how high the Cougars can rise this week and throughout the season. So I am Greg thanking you for joining us and saying in the meantime and in between time, this has been BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Good night and so long from Provo, Utah. You've been listening to live coverage of BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Coverage of today's game has been brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union, Mountain America, guiding members forward for more than 80 years. Smith's Food and Drug. Smith's now has grocery pickup and online delivery to save you time. Also by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. BYU Football is a production of BYU Athletics in association with BYU Broadcasting. Special thanks to BYU President Kevin Worthen, Vice President Keith Vorkink, Athletic Director Tom Homo, and Associate Athletic Director of Corporate Sponsorship Casey Stoffer. BYU Football is an exclusive presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network.